Well, hello and welcome to episode 175 of the 1099 for the week of November 19th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a longtime features editor at Game Informer and the foremost expert on all things JRPG, the only person who could actually do this podcast as well as I know it's going to go. Kim Wallace. Kim, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, I feel like there were about 100 different times where I'm like, man, I really want to ask Kim to come on the show and really dig into you know Game Informer or games media. But as I started to do these top 10 shows and I have this massive love for JRPGs, this is like ideal where I'm like, oh my God, I just want to spend an hour talking to you about modern JRPGs and maybe not so modern JRPGs. And this might be the nerdiest show of all time, but hey, I'm looking I like. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for you to just say as much as you can about JRPGs. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I like to do. So very, very easy for me. This will be a blast. <laughs> this will just be like, I don't even have to think. <laughs> I was like, we can just go. I have notes in this document because I was like, man, you're just going to completely destroy me in this conversation. So I at least need some sort of ammo or some talking points because all of this is just going to come right off the dome for you. Uh, so the title of this podcast is probably something like top 10 JRPGs you need to play right now or something's marginally clickbaity, but I think there's a whole bunch of shows and a whole bunch of feature articles out there that list here's the 10 best JRPGs of all time or the 50 best JRPGs of all time. And we're not going to do that as much as we're going to talk about 10 JRPGs that you can play on modern consoles or PC. So similar to the other top 10 Hidden Gems podcast we had done before. And we're going to talk about why, if you're a hardcore JRPG fan, you should check them out. Why, if you're kind of a lapsed fan, who maybe played them on PS1, but haven't really played any JRPGs recently, you should jump back in. Or even if you're just a full-blown, I hate JRPGs, why does anyone do turn-based combat? You people are crazy. Uh, we'll have a couple of games in there too that can help you maybe at least see why people care about these so much. So again, all of these have to be played on modern consoles and PCs. Some of these will be PS1 classics. Some of these will be on Steam. And uh, we're going to do five each. I'll start just to get one out that I really want to talk about and I've actually talked about quite a bit so far. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, first one I'm going to bring up is Nino Kuni 2, which Kim, I think you've played this, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Did you review it? No, actually. Um, I am one of those people who fall, I'm going to, your audience is going to hate me right off the bat here. Um, I do not <laughs> like the first one and everybody's wow, loved okay. it. Um, you know what it is? It's, it's that I've been playing level five games for a long time and level five, can never quite get their battle systems correct. And I saw a lot broken with the battle system and that kind of bothered me. But I will say I like two a lot better because I feel like it fixed the issues I had with the battle system. But I feel like the second game um, doesn't have as good as a story as the first one. So it's kind of like give or take on that one. But yeah, I love Studio G and <laughs> I was very excited for that game. And I was like, oh, there's no game that feels like it's more a Kim game than that. And like, I do love level five. Don't get me wrong. Big Dark Cloud fan. Obviously, they worked on um, Dragon Quest uh, eight, which is one of my favorites. So I think for me, it was just it was a little disappointing where like I think a lot of people came from the camp of they hadn't played a lot of JRPGs at that point because we had gone into the PS3 era, which is when they started to drop off on their console um, rate. So I think they came into it being like, oh, this is what I like about JRPGs. Did I? And I was 
like playing everything still at the time and i was like oh yeah it it, it is like don't the graphics everything is, are beautiful and i yeah. liked being in that world but it just didn't hit it for me so but i do like the second game <laughs> well i'm happy the conversation can, i'm happy <laughs> to start right off by disagreeing because i think nino kuni one is better than nino kuni two uh, and I think a lot of that for me was, I was, like you mentioned before, the PS3 era was not exactly this bastion for JRPGs. And as someone who that was my favorite stuff on PS1 and some of that carried over to PS2, the PS3 era just kind of felt like a wasteland where you would yep. end up playing certain Tales games or certain other games that weren't really that good. They were just we were kind starving. of like... And it, it exactly it came out of a bad time too because we were spoiled with the PS2 era where they were just you couldn't even keep up with them in that era. Like, I mean, I remember just being like, I would just go from one to the next like super fast. That's actually the PS2 time is when I feel like I totally committed to the genre and I didn't have time to really play much of anything <laughs> else. But you know, then I went to PS3 and what was different was um, like I bought a PS3 thinking it would be like the PS2. Obviously, that wasn't the case, and that actually forced me to try a bunch of other games and genres I normally wouldn't have, but um, at the same time, you know, playing an RPG, because they all went to handhelds, and playing them on a handheld is a very different experience, I feel like, than playing them on a console. Like, I like the yeah. big screen. I like to feel, like, immersed in the world. I never quite get that on the handheld. Don't get me wrong. I still play them on there, but... Um, is kind of a, a bummer, right, to go into. And I think that's what it was. We didn't have a good console JRPG, and that was really one that, you know, was like, oh, this is beautiful. You know, it, it's got Studio Ghibli. It's got everything. So we're all good on it. So um, Yeah, and that's that's exactly why Nino Kuni won Grab Me. And it's I'm... charming, too. That story is really good. Uh, Mr. Drippy, either love him or hate him. <laughs> I what actually like he's pretty endearing. I love him. He's endearing. Yeah, I like him a lot. And then after a while, I'm just like, okay, he's kind of a one trick pony, but that's okay. That's that's perfectly fine. Well, one trick pony is not the best thing over 100 hours, but I do think like his one trick at least lasts maybe 50 of those. Yeah, that's what and I'm saying. Was... Like he couldn't carry it the whole game, but he did a pretty no. good job with it like right away. So. <laughs> So with Nino Kuni 1, I just remember, like you said, it was the charm. It was this, I haven't played a JRPG in so long that I actually cared about. And it reminded me why I liked them. And Nino Kuni 2, I would recommend it to people. One, because it's a much more active combat game. It, yeah. it, it still has those certain core tenets of the character building, the stats, all the equipment you love. And there's multiple weapons that you can switch between each character, which adds this really large combat variety. But the systems go so far beyond just the, the regular all right that's awesome one thousand percent like you can build and this is very much it, we talked about dark cloud a little bit before where you're building villages it's not to that degree of complexity as dark cloud one where you're positioning them in certain places but you build this kingdom from the ground up you were doing these army battles that really mix up the normal jrpg combat that you'd run into and yes the charm the charm is still there it's not to nino kuni one level but it does blend this, the start of this game starts with like the American president it's, it's going weird. to another realm. It's darker. It's weird. Like I don't. I like the story is just uh, is strange. It's different, right, from what we had with yeah. the first game. Well, you think of the first one as like ultimate fantasy JRPG, like you said, Studio G. Like that is the perfect just encapsulation of that. And this one's more like 
the, the president with a gun is in this <laughs> fantasy world with this weird little prince dude and it it really it it, it doesn't never reaches the heights just story-wise yeah. that i think one does but it has this other entire darker aspect to it that is fascinating so i don't for me, Nino Kuni 1 is the ultimate. If you're lapsed, play that, and you might remember why you love JRPGs. But 2 is more, this is a JRPG, sure, but there's so many different things going on that will grab you that even if you don't love the combat and all the character building and the leveling up, there's just a billion other things for you to get into. So that's my per- first pick. It's one of my favorite games this year, even though I still think Nino Kuni 1 is better. I would say too the great uh, what I like that level five did with two is that they didn't just set out to make the first game they could have just done a clone but they actually you know the first like very simple similar to it because people love that but I like that they really went for it with the base building and making the combat feel a lot different and uh, you know I think like a lot of uh, Japanese developers don't always take those risks that you know like that and so i just want to commend them for that because i feel like it, it was cool to see them try new things with that and kind of not just give us not go not be safe with it but totally i'm gonna go on to my pick which i'm gonna go a little classic here and i know you said we weren't talking about like best jrpgs of all time <laughs> but if i had to pick one if i was doing like my list of what is the best jrpg of all time where i feel like it holds still holds up to this day you could play it and it's still such a such a fun experience was chrono trigger and um i love this because it doesn't do anything it didn't do anything like super inventive at the time but it just did everything that it did really well um and you had like that you know tag team of like you know um Yuji Hore, who worked on uh, Dragon Quest, and then you had Sakaguchi, who was like from, you know, Final Fantasy, Square, Godfather, basically, and then, uh, (laughs) I know that's a new one for him, probably, and then, like I said, you had all these other people, like Masuda wrote the soundtrack, which, like, it just, it's all these parts that come together really well, and the time travel stuff is just what kind of makes it super interesting, and I would say that's, like, probably the the one thing that was very different about that game was there's so many different endings that you could do, there's so many different ways that you could play it where it wouldn't always play out the same way. I mean, you can freaking go to the first boss, like, right out of the gate, and get, like, the final boss right out of the gate, and get yourself murdered <laughs> entirely and whatever <laughs> but i just liked it because i it said very few like when we're talking about doing this podcast i'm like it's really hard sometimes for me to recommend um older jrpgs because i'll go back and play them and i'll be like you know this doesn't really hold up or i have to give people the caveat like you're gonna have to grind with this or like it's gonna be a very very difficult with the controls to get and Chrono Trigger, I can always recommend to people and say, like, I have no reservations about it at all. Um, I know you can play this now on, like, iOS devices even. Like, it's on PC. It's on, obviously, it's been on Nintendo's Virtual Console. It's on the Super Nintendo Classic right now. No, it's not. That pissed me off. Okay. Yeah, that (laughs) reminded me. That pissed me off because that was a big omission. Um, I don't understand that one, but... um, yeah, I mean, I it's got that active time battle system that, you know, became like a big staple of the Final Fantasy series and it just it's just a fun game. Um 
through and through and the, the combo attacks like i said they've been trying to recapture the magic of chrono trigger i feel like for a long time now and they just still haven't quite got there i look at like um tokyo rpg factory which was trying to did i am setsuna and then lost sphere and i am setsuna was like too much trying to go there um but also like retain that cool battle system um and they just never quite got it to a way that it would be be as fun but yeah that's introduced the new game plus option too like there's so much with that that it did and the levels were fun and Luca's just awesome. Luca's my favorite, by the way. So I had to add that in here and give her a pop. But I mean, you're traveling to like the Middle Ages with dinosaurs. I mean, there's just a lot of different places you could go with this. Um, it's nuts. And I think you're right in terms of this might be the ultimate. If people are like, what's a JRPG and why should I care? Just hand them Chrono Trigger, mm -hmm. even though it's as old as it is, because it. I'm not going to call it simplistic in any capacity, but it doesn't have as many just over encumbering layers and systems that a lot of modern jrpgs have and so i have a really weird relationship with this game where i have never played it myself let me say that first <laughs> i watched the entire giant bomb endurance run okay so i've seen the game played and the weirder part is i played chrono cross before i played chrono trigger ah um, and it really another good game by the way but that game is weird. Like yeah. that game is like there's a billion characters you can recruit and you almost at this point need a strategy guide if you want to play that game because one wrong turn and you miss 10 of them. Like it is an insane game. So when I came back to Chrono Trigger as the watching like the endurance run of it, I was like, what? This is so wildly different than what I thought this would be. And it's even though I never played all the way through, I think it's one of like the it's kind of like the standard setter for just here is a fun inventive creative jrpg that gives you exactly what you'd want out of that genre and doesn't just hit you over the face with all these different annoying layers that by the end you'd be like oh it's just too much and i will say people always are like their problem sometimes with jrpgs is that they take a long time to get going and that's not chrono trigger at all like that is <laughs> no a, you get right into the action like right away you have all your party members like within that less than like an hour in you know like almost like it's it's insane how fast that gets going and you don't have to wait to like get into everything you are right in it right away and so when people always ask me like what's a game that i just don't have to like get 10 hours before i really get into the plot or the nitty-gritty and i'm like just go with that one <laughs> it's perfect yeah that shit moves like but once you start you're in like yeah it's not a final fantasy 13 where it's like after about 25 hours it gets pretty good like it just kind of goes right away no offense to final fantasy 13 that's an entirely different conversation um one that i want to talk about because i literally was just playing it a, a half an hour ago and you've played it all the way through to a degree that i don't know if i'll be able, ever be able to reach um is dragon quest 11 yes. because i've never been like a holy shit i love dragon quest every variation is great like eight stands out as that was a really fun game that was kind of not a surprise it was it's, it's very classic dragon quest but i guess i wasn't ready to like it as much as i did and i've played some you know like i think game boy game boy advanced games there's a lot of just different variations I, yeah eight and five stand out as the best I for me five's but the one like, i'm thinking of what that did like i said dragon quest kind of set down the foundations for how that turn-based battle system was going to play out on consoles and i feel like um it is it's a weird thing because it's a series that 
is does not stray from its roots like it's always and sometimes that's for the good and sometimes for the bad but i feel like i kind of like that it embraces so much like its simplicity and um you know making it fun in other ways like i said i think eight is when they introduced that alchemy pot that really changed things up and then like now they have that uh the crafting that they took a step further in 11 um gosh yeah 11's really an 11 so 11 what i feel like it did well i don't know how how many dragon quests you played but one thing dragon quests uh struggle with is uh the cast okay like they're usually a little bland i thought eight was a little better i felt like once they brought in like the voice acting the british voice acting with the cast like it it added some personality um, but this one, I feel like they've done well to really flesh characters out and every character has a really cool backstory that you'll get to. So that's the thing. There's a, we were talking about this earlier. There's a true ending and a normal ending. The normal ending is fine and it's satisfying on its own, but the true ending is where you kind of dwell into each character and really get to know um, why they were on the journey they were and what made them kind of want to join up with the hero, which I think was not something that they've done really in the past and just haven't had that likable and, um, you know, well-rounded of a cast in a long time. Who's your favorite character? I like Jade. I mean, she's, okay. she's just badass. I'm just going to go out and say <laughs> it. Like, I like that she kind of just doesn't take anything. Um, and she gets me, but a lot of people I know are big uh, Silvando fans. He is my favorite by a mile so oh far. Oh my god, like, wait until you get the character building, later on. Oh. Um, so you're right in terms of, a lot of times the Dragon Quest games, like, characters aren't really a big part of it. And what I like about this game is at its core, it is this super duper classic JRPG, like, right. silent protagonist, turn-based it is very like it has all the same noises and all the same little ticks that you would expect from not just a JRPG but from a Dragon Quest game from mm-hmm. 20 years back but there's so many little modern touches that you don't expect like the run speed is perfect you just move in that game and you need to cuz you're trying to get to certain areas certain treasure chests once you get new keys you need to get to different areas beyond the fast travel you can just book by pressing R2 there's the boat there's the airship there's this an accessibility to it and yeah the character is you care and I still think I've never been a huge fan of silent protagonists because there's so many times where I'm like, I just want the dude to talk. Like, I'm so sick of you stare at him and then suddenly the other person's like, oh, wait, what do you mean? And you're like, I, he didn't even talk. What are you talking about? Like, there's I don't think it grounds me more into feeling like the main character. It actually just makes it a little bit more awkward, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But still, the characters around this, you know, this hero, this world saver person are interesting. Their stories do progress. I haven't seen all of them yet, but just what's there so far is incredible. It's visually stunning. Um, There's genuine story surprises around every turn. Uh, There's almost a very minor version of the Final Fantasy X sphere grid going on in here. I like like Um, the upgrade. They finally, like, uh, made that a little easier for people to... to do because originally it used to be like you had control over all the stats of characters and some and i like this because i felt like once i got the hang of it i was maximizing certain stuff like as you get on the 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 stuff that you can open up like to double cast or you have one where like you can guarantee yourself a critical when you use it and it's just amazing for boss battles because it's like that guaranteed crit hit that is so vital sometimes to anything that's what i like too is like that turn-based battle system a lot of people struggle to make that 
you know, interesting and challenging. And this does, it's like, it's very simple, but then on the same, like you have to use your turns, right. Or you're going to like, it doesn't go easy on you. You're just going to, you know, you have to really exploit it. Oh yeah. One false move. One, one time where you get knocked on your butt or someone gets paralyzed, that's your main healer. And suddenly you're just in a weird situation. And like, that was something that I'm still getting used to now, but I love it. And I love that you can bring in your backup party, even if your main party is wiped. So it doesn't feel there's still just enough leeway that you can make it through that way. It's, it's the combat is exciting, even though it's turn-based, which like you said, is extremely hard. Uh, The story is like, there's just so many characters I'm running into in so many different villages that every Everything feels like it has a personality, which was lacking in a lot of Dragon Quest games before. Eight had it, but eleven feels like the culmination of that. Where like, man, I just care. Like, even though it's still another save the world, fight the ultimate baddie, you are the chosen one type of thing. They do it in a way where the small stories still matter, and it is one of the only games that is this long that just keeps getting better. Like, I'm just like every turn, I'm like, I am now more invested than I was before. I was like playing like. 30 to 40 minutes at a time then it's like well now i want to play an hour at a time and now i'm like damn it i have to go apply for jobs or do these interviews but i really want to keep playing this goddamn game it is one of my favorites of the year and i think by the time i finish it it might be like top three for me i think out of jrpgs that have come out this year it's the best one hands down oh man i I can't wait to keep playing it. That's what I'm probably going to do the rest of this Sunday. I'm going to like watch football and just play Dragon Quest all day. That's my pick. What's your second one, Kim? My second one. So if you know me at Game Informer, you know I am a huge Persona fan. So I had to have what a Persona on this list. Now I want to throw <laughs> this out. I'm picking Persona 5 because that is more recent and obviously has the best of the the battle system is more refined just everything's better um i will say three is my personal favorite just because i really like that cast and i think if you were coming from where i was where i played the older games and then three just felt like such a jump because three introduced social links which just changed the game entirely and what it was and and really kind of is what put us on the path that we were with four being so good and five but five is hands down probably the best in terms of just design and everything else so i would go with that um you play it you band together as this gang of phantom thieves and you go around and uh you know you fight you fight monsters like you fight the monsters it's the same stuff with the turn-based battle system that's all about exploiting enemy weaknesses you have the social links which always are just my favorite part of it because they always go in interesting directions that you're not expecting and some of them end up being very poignant and i just like the sentiment around social links which is like if you just take the time out of your day to like talk to people see how they're doing like you can really make an impact in their lives which has always just been something that i firmly believe in as well and just like about the game so five has got like i said the dungeons have much more to do in them than past games have which is fun and they've got some cool themes i mean there's there's some dungeons that aren't as great as others i will say that that stupid uh bullshit like dungeon where you were um traveling between like vents and stuff which was just not very fun yeah it was not good it was uh and there's also this part where like you can you can't get hit by an enemy or you get started from the beginning of something like there there's some archaic stuff like that but i mean this one was actually the first one set in actual like modern day tokyo um the other ones had like fictional settings so you're in there and you're like 
in Tokyo, like in Shibuya, in like all those those you know districts around it and it's just it, it really does like you go to Akihabara I mean Shinjuku it just really puts you in there and I think it makes it just more more realistic and then like I said like the the way that they just I love getting personas and fusing them together for better ones and just constantly being like kept on my toes and this is another fun cast I feel like you know as you go on, I feel like the cast just gets better and better. I'm a really big uh, Makoto fan. Uh, Futaba's pretty awesome, too. Uh, I just, like, I can't say enough about these games if you hadn't, haven't played them. Because if you like that mix of good story, fun battle system, and then, like, also, like, the social elements, you really can't go wrong. And, like, this is you. You're, like, fighting against the system, like, the unfair system of the world. Like, our, the main protagonist kind of, like gets caught um gets falsely accused of doing something um and it kind of with the police and it starts off there where you get sent away and you're supposed to like be rehabilitating and all that and then you find out that like stuff is going on at your school that's messed up like the the coach is you know overworking his players and so you kind of go through all these th these people who are really corrupt and kind of attacking them from the inside um as a phantom thief which just like it doesn't get any better than that because they're all based on like different people from from literature and stuff which is cool yeah it's we talked before about Nita Kuni 2 being a little bit dark at times. Persona 5 gets dark as hell at, at certain other moments, like with that gym teacher just really early on and with a lot of the other characters that are dealing with real life trauma or like Futaba with like the emotional side of like her mother and everything like that. And my main confession about this game is I've put 50 hours into it at 55 maybe. And that was about six months ago and I never got back to it. So I'm like, if you fall 60%. off, it's hard to, to it's go It's so back. hard to get. This is not like riding a bike. Like as yeah. soon as I, I moved across the country and uh, just other games started piling up and I'm just looking at that save being like, oh man, like I was over halfway through and I just stopped. But you're right in terms of the characters keep getting better. The social link stuff is so smart. It's so, it's, it's weird calling it real in a game about phantom thieves and monsters, but it is very... You're actually like I said, it's got that like that fantasy element to it in a way but it also has like i said like the real confront and i feel like it's one of the few you know jrpgs that really does go there and like tries to bring a more humanistic side to what they're doing as well which i think is really really good um like me i'm big into storytelling so i mean some of the social links even from the earlier games i look back to like persona 3 with the sun social link where the guy is like dying and you have to kind of like make him see so like something good in the world and there's just like there's just so many good things about it and you kind of help him find his own meaning and like that's what like a lot of the social links are they're really heavy because you realize yeah and it's true to life like everybody has their own battles and issues that they're facing um that you don't know about until you really you know spend the time to kind of you know get to know them so i, I just i just love these games and like i tell people like if you have not played a Persona game, you should definitely play one. Um, and like I said, to start off, I would say five is probably your best bet. You don't have to have knowledge of the other games to play it. It is a completely standalone story. Um, and you can finally see like five really did put the series, I feel like, 
on the map uh, more, you know, like the, it's slowly as somebody who is like old school Persona fan, it's kind of fun to see how the series has just kind of come more and more mainstream as each entry because they're just so good and anybody can pick them up and play them. And um, I feel like if you're looking for a JRPG to play now, you can't do much better than this one. Like, um, it's especially more modern you know that you can load up on your ps4 and it's there so. sure and yeah and like last thing on it for me is just you, the social link thing is so cool because in so many of these different situations you don't want it to be treated like a kind of cheesy dating sim and what, what i mean by that is you don't want it to be like okay i'm just trying to get this person to like me more and more so we can date or we can what like there's like a romance sequence for these all of these feel just like real like you're sure maybe in some cases you are like interested in someone you're trying to head for that but a lot of it is just i want this person to like me or i want to get to know this person i want to put time into that and it takes the entire game to get some of them up there which is over 100 hours so it's not like the short thing it's you're doing these small tasks and these very specific story sequences to build that up and i think that is where if you don't care about jrpgs maybe you won't love the combat but i think you'll love one the style of it and two just the relationship building side of it it is mm -hmm. it's really good Definitely. and i need to get back on that um speaking of series where you don't have to play the old ones to get to know the new ones i think we should group these next two together because mine is final fantasy 9 and yours is final fantasy 10 yes and i originally when i was making this list i put six down because that's hey i hands down love that game um and then i realized you know, I tried to play it a few months ago again, and I was like, God, if you don't have, like, nostalgia for this game, I don't know if it holds up. It quickly. doesn't. I didn't have nostalgia for it, and I tried to play it, and I couldn't do it. And so that's, that's, why I I switched, that's why I switched my answer to 10, which actually I'm one of those people who, with uh, Final Fantasy, really like 10. I know some people absolutely hate it, but I was really, I'm engr I was engrossed in that world. I think it's one of the easier Final Fantasies to pick up and play and get into. Like it, the battle system is not that complex. It will not overwhelm you. It's pretty, pretty standard basic. So, and that one is another one too, you can now play on PS4. So that was kind of my uh, reasoning for going with 10 over my favorite as I was growing up. In seven, you could go with seven, right? But seven has not aged well at all. It I has just, not. Like, no matter what anyone says, it has not. Yeah, I, I hate I have a hard time recommending that to people. That's another one. Like you have to have some nostalgia, I think, to really go back to it and get anything out of it. And even then it's really tough to go back and play now. Just because I know this too, like the PS1 era games, like very few of them still look good now to no, play. No, they it's look really a, bad. It's, yeah, it's really hard. And like I said, I think Final Fantasy X is still easy on the eyes. I even think your pick with Nine, which actually I think Nine is really fun too. I, I like that one. I feel bad because it feels like Nine got overlooked because it was kind of so late in the PS1 cycle. Yeah. Um, you know, and people are kind of already moving on at that point. But yeah, I I think we had to put Final Fantasy games on here. And I think no doubt. And I would have picked eight because eight's actually my favorite Final Fantasy game. I know. How oh my god! That no, is. I hate eight. Oh, I think eight is maybe my favorite JRPG of all time. Which really, I really? knew that's where. Like, I am massively in love with eight. Like, my first big GameSpot feature was all about eight, and I will defend that game until the end of time. But I think that you talked about this sort of inborn nostalgia you need. Eight does have that. It doesn't hold up in that same way where you can be like, oh, I understand why people either loved this or hated this you'll probably just be like why did people i understand why this? people like eight don't get me wrong it just it didn't it didn't quite 
do it for me but I it was the one that did it the most for me again i understand why people dislike it like i get it i understand the junction the draw system the characters it's very self-serious but the reason i picked nine is because it's this perfect example of this sort of classic jrpg it feels like an old school final fantasy game with the humor with the sort of uh, not a cartoony but a little bit nature of that but had many more of the modern elements that seven and eight were doing. It, it goes back to the more basic equipment system. And that is what gives you your skills rather than junctioning or materia or anything like that. It has some of the most memorable characters in the yeah, entire series for me. Like I, awesome. everyone loves Vivi. Like he's, he's a really, you know, how can you not? Vivi's it, just awesome. And his story gets dark. We're talking more about yeah. dark stuff where you learn about like him questioning if he's just this clone, like mortality, all this stuff in there. I was just looking at videos of it um before we did this podcast and just the music was enough for me to be like i need to go play final fantasy 9 again holy shit it's it has so much character to it it has one of the most satisfying storybook endings in a jrpg of all time that's just like heartwarming (laughs) at the very end where you're like oh that's just happy like that's just nice and it works for this really funny quirky it can get serious and get into really extreme subject matter but then it'll just be like oh steiner just rammed into a building or he did something stupid (laughs) or someone just ate a monster like it's it is a crazy game it is a fun game it is a charming game and i think it's one of the best here is what i think the creators thought classic final fantasy was but here it is in this more modern context that's not modern anymore but i think if you booted it up now it would be the most playable between seven eight and nine even though eight's the best and everyone else is wrong but nine is fantastic <laughs> and overlooked and everyone should play it yep and kind of with uh 10 i feel like that one certainly is raised the bar for where rpgs have gone with being like fully voiced having you know the way that the cutscenes kind of went off and having those going on. And I think that's always something that sometimes people forget. It is early. I mean, you're either going to like, you're either going to like Titus, you're probably going to hate him. That's fine <laughs> because it's, you're, I think you're, in my opinion, you're supposed to not really kind of completely be on his, you know, be like this guy's, you know, he's so whiny. And then you you see him kind of transform throughout the game. And I think that's what I find really interesting about it. And I find that it's the side characters that I really like more so than totally. that. Like Kamari's Aran great. is awesome. Riku, like um, Waka even. Uh, but even going through that, I feel like Titus and Yuna have a very, very sweet story and it's they're very both kind of going through their own things and maybe i just like like i said these dramatic or like emotional games to some (laughs) capacity but like i really did um you know get with that story and also like i said the world just the it was just so like i said it it pulled me in i hadn't seen anything like that um i like I know people have their own feelings on Blitzball. I liked it, but that's I like Blitzball like, too. I like sports games, so it was like perfect yeah. for me. I mean, I was like, I still did. I look back at that game and I think of all the crazy stuff I did to get those ultimate weapons, like dodging, like what all those lightning bolts. I can't remember exactly the number it was, but something ridiculous. Oh, and it's so dumb. I hate. Yeah, I get it. That I was hated the worst that. one out of all of them. Like I did, or the racing, uh, chocobo racing. Yeah, to get that under. <laughs> you know um 
negative Ugh. seconds you had to go on that. I, I got that. The one I struggled with was the lightning because I just I'd get so far and then I'd accidentally get hit by one and be like, oh, my God. Um, and you didn't need those ultimate weapons. But those were the days where I did. I sat there with my little strategy guide. Um, oh, yeah paperback strategy guide it's not going on game facts type of thing this was back <laughs> back when i would like i had to do everything and i had to get like perfects on everything because that's like just i can't be the completionist i once was like that no. was really hard for me to let I go i filled out of. that entire sphere grid for every character yeah the sphere grid too like that was a fun way to upgrade your characters and let you feel like you had some control and then like having getting to the point where characters could learn other characters abilities and all that like it just was a lot of fun um and i feel like that one still is easy to go back to and pick up and play so if totally you, like i said i warn people about the characters like there is that awkward laughing scene which i actually have defended because i think it speaks to that awkwardness that when you are kind of first getting to know someone and you realize you kind of have that connection but you don't know how to exactly break the ice and that's like cringe <laughs> cringe but at the same time like i've seen that's what happens <laughs> so <laughs> i will i will go and i will go for it too for just for how it really added i think how you know much rpgs started to feel like they were these mini movies at some point with everything that it did yeah i love final fantasy 10 i re-reviewed the um the remastered edition on GameSpot. i think it gave like an eight or a nine or something like that i think it's genuinely just an enjoyable Fun game with some great characters. With I love Blitzball. Everyone else is wrong again. This <laughs> Blitzball is good. <laughs> Just trust me. Uh, I do love the idea of learning other skills. Where by the end, like as Lulu, you could just do nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine with your weird she little like awesome. cactuar doll or whatever, yeah. because you could just get everyone that strong. I, I think um, I did a podcast with Jeff Bacalar recently about sort of side characters that need their own games. Like I would love to know more about Jekt and like his his story, his uh, quest early on and his like pilgrimage type of situation. And I would love to know more about young Oren. There's so many side characters that mean a lot in this game. And I find I, it funny that of all this cast that they decided to do like spin off more like, you know, in depth with is that they chose 13, which in my opinion doesn't have like <laughs> a strong cast at all totally so I, it surprises me that that's the one that they're like oh let's go when they had all these other games that i feel like had way more interesting characters or it's like if you're gonna do this i wish you would have done it for some of the older games with those characters because totally it's just like, there's so much i wanted to know about them opposed to like the 13 cast which just like annoyed me to no end so yeah and 10 10 2 is fine and like 10 2 does what 10 2 does but like uh, yeah i would love the where is the jacked orange game or where is the uh final fantasy i will play final fantasy 8 too i don't care if i'm the only one or like a final <laughs> fantasy 9 like there's for you six like there's so many different of these games that i would actually want to see expanded and they chose the one where i'm like oh i don't like any of these characters see what <laughs> like, i think they should do and i'm kind of mad that they haven't because i feel like what we were talking about with six is like it's hard to tell people to go back to now i wish they would remake that and make it more modern um because of the fact too that it's not one of those games that they have like re-released over and over and over again it's actually like one of the 
the least ones they've made it for people to be able to play. I always think to myself, because that game when it started out was just so dark and different. And that's kind of why I always think I was like, oh, this is when they were really like, think about it. I was like, uh, Super Nintendo era. So we didn't even like have games that were going into, you know, dark. There's a, there's like, I had, there's a whole scene about like, you know, suicide and stuff in there. And it's like so heavy for, that game and but that game made you feel it too like there's so many good like scenes in there that's why i said i wish people could experience it but it's hard to tell people like if you don't have the nostalgia for it to absolutely go back and play that so it's like my wish is that they would remake that and you know what we they probably won't because we're never gonna think the seven remakes gonna take forever we're never gonna see it (laughs) in like the next five years we'll be lucky so yeah, and that team's going to be like, fuck that. We're never remaking one of these things again. That was yeah, the worst exactly. development like, cycle gonna, ever. Yeah. This is like, terrible. No. And no thank you. I wish they would. Well, let us let me do one more Final Fantasy-like game that's on mm-hmm. my list. And it's it's another PS1 game for me. It's Legend of Dragoon. Uh, and this is one that I don't think will really super hold up without the nostalgia factor to it. But after 7 came out, Final Fantasy 7... There was kind of this idea of like, oh, when's the when's the next Final Fantasy VII like game? And everyone was using the marketing language of like Final Fantasy VII killer because that was this huge game that came out and everyone suddenly was obsessed with mm-hmm. JRPGs, with giant cinematics. And Legend of Dragoon, I think, stands on its own. And what really is interesting about it is just how systems heavy it is. And I, and I know that's off-putting for a lot of people. But it has this very active combat system where you're timing button presses to increase combos. And the, the deeper you get in the game, the... The, the more aggressive those and long those combos are, the more the timing matters. And it's this very self-serious game about these characters who discover they're like legendary dragoon warriors and infused with dragon powers. And it's essentially JRPG Power Rangers, maybe is one way to put it, where suddenly you, that get is this, a good way to put it. you get this boost and you become more powerful and you're, you have wings and you're doing different attacks and... It is, again, I talked about Nine being very whimsical at times. Same with Nino Kuni. Legend Dragoon is pretty self-serious. It's pretty like, here's what this is. It's heavy subjects. There's some humor with the different characters. But it is this sort of, if you want, if you are someone who loves JRPGs but missed Legend of Dragoon, it's a PS1 classic. It's like six bucks right now. It's like 60 hours, maybe even 80 if you put a lot into it. And it's just a good window into what people were going for because it's not an exact replica by any means of seven, but -hmm. it's going for a lot of what seven did right during that era. And um, the one thing you'll notice is there's a couple of voice acting scenes in the the cutscenes that are terrible, like not just kind of bad, but like most of that was like it's awful. It was so it, it it will feel dated, but it's another one of those games that as soon as I was looking at videos again for this podcast, I'm like, man, maybe I'll just play all of Legend of Dragoon all over again because there there's there's this certain novelty to it. I know like certain main characters die and get replaced with similar like there's just a lot that goes on in that game. I think it was another four disc game, so it's massive. And the last boss I think takes like an hour. Um, no matter how you play it, the last boss that's is That's when I've wondered. Forever. I'm like, I have I'm like, I don't know if that's gonna that one holds up well or not. I, I just yeah. I haven't gone back to it to know, and I'm kind of curious. I think it's worth if you are in the camp of like I love JRPGs and you do almost want like a history lesson and what they were like during the PS1 eras, but not from a Final Fantasy 
sort yeah. of lens. I think Legend of Dragoon is probably your best choice. If you hate JRPGs, do not play this game. Like it's just not. Really <laughs> good. But if you're curious, I do think it's worth playing, and it's also cheap as hell, and it's there's a lot of game in there. And if you just want to hear bad voice acting, there you go. You could just yep. YouTube the different clips. But I love that game, and I think if you missed it and you're looking for a new or at least an old JRPG to play, Legend of Dragoon high on my list. Yeah, I also have a PS1 game coming up next. Um, oh, man. Suicoden 2. Um, I am a big fan of that series. Um, RIP because Konami, I don't even trust Konami if they were to resurrect it at this point. I don't think they make video games. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and it probably wouldn't go well. But um, for the time, and so this is one that I'm going to put on as like a caution because if you are going to play Suicoden, you need to know that you are going to have to grind and you have to be okay with that. Um, you know, some people will not put it up, but I will say in two, it is absolutely worth it because it has one of the best antagonists, the sadistic Luca Blight, who just like is so like he gets under your skin and you just want to beat him. And I love when you have that good antagonist who just really pushes your buttons. And that's this guy, the entire game, even the fight to take him down at the end is such him just still playing mind games with you and, you know, testing like you're trying to guess like what his next move is going to be at any every turn. But if you haven't played the Suicoden games, you are collecting an army of characters, the Stars of Destiny, 108 in total. Um, you don't have to get them all, but it does change your ending depending on who you get. And you build up your own headquarters. So you start off just you and your small team and you the whole game is like finding these characters to recruit, to bring into your army so you can take down, you know, the opposing force that's like, you know, in front of you. And they all follow that seek that kind of same thing, but kept getting those characters becomes so freaking like engaging. And then at the time it also puts me like in this really anxious place because like, I'm like, I can't miss recruiting this character because some of them are missable, you know? <laughs> and you're like, you have to get yeah. this character by this point. I just, I have had so many times where I've stressed so much because I have to get every character. It's just the only way for me how to play those games and i have fun actually going out and seeking them but it's you know tried and true battle system turn-based um they have these other cool like dual battles that you do where you have to kind of guess the character's next move based on like what they're saying um then there's also the like tactical like army battles that you have that are really fun um it's just the game's uh, this game in particular, like I said, there's no other antagonist I can think of that really got out under my skin like this one did. And just the, again, a really traumatic storyline, which like what I love about the Suicoden series is no series does betrayal like this series does, where you actually feel like you as a player are feeling that. Like there's just, you'll think yeah. someone's like your best friend. You'll be like, I like this. And then you're like, oh my God, that totally was not, did not see that coming. Blindsiding betrayals. Um, that is so in this game. Um, I, I just look back on it. I think Suicoden is really responsible for why we have, we talk about like, you know, games like, Nino Kuni 2 with like the base building and all that like I think that was like the start of all that you know and getting people to be excited about you know like it took recruiting characters to a definitely a new level like it's oh, just those games are just so fun which is like I said I wish 
we'd have like a modern one, but I do not trust Konami with it. And I know they will not revive it. They've disbanded that team a long time ago. But if you've always wondered like, what the heck is it like, what is the series about and why do people love it so much? You do, you do, you need to play it. And I, I recommend two, although over the first one, because the first one, while there are connections to two, they're they're minimal in that capacity and i went back and i've played one like not too long ago and it is super super grindy in a way that even two isn't so i would always say two is the one that always gets regarded as the best and it's because it is uh personally but um you know if you haven't played it you should probably check it out especially if you like like classic jrpg and kind of if you're like me, I, I fall into that where I am a sucker for like building my own base and, and recruiting characters like with what Ease, um, Ease 8 that I just played not like a year ago and I loved is like part of that was building up, finding people on the island to recruit to your base. And yeah. I was just like, oh, this is like Suicode and I love it just for this reason. <laughs> like I, I'm just a sucker for that stuff. So I wish I played this game earlier like this was one of those that i um i played when i think it released on ps4 as like a classic or something like that Mm -hmm. and uh i was actually i wrote a feature for gamespot that never got published for various reasons all about my first experience with this as this jrpg lover who never really played a weekend game before Mm -hmm. and it was one of those i think this game is really good but because you mentioned nino kuni you mentioned other games that do character development and just uh team building and and like recruiting maybe better now like of course this set the foundation but the problem about it is when you play the foundation for the first time you're like okay i see why this was not just novel but like revolutionary at the time but because i'm now so separated from that and i've played these other games i had a great time with it and i do think the antagonist is one of the best in jrpgs I, i just remember being like man I see this would have been something I was obsessed with yeah, if I like played years it ago, at the time. Hard, yeah. yeah. And playing it when I was like 24 or something like that, or how old I was like, that was like, Oh, this is really good, but I just don't get the full experience. I mean, the same if I played any of the PS one final fantasies or legend dragoon, it wouldn't have that same factor. But I do think similar to chrono trigger, you could point someone in this direction and be like, look, if you want to kind of start from, not the ground floor of JRPGs, but at least at the point where they were really pure and people fell in love with them. Chrono Trigger and Suikoden 2 are the two that I would probably say are the easiest to just jump into, even Mm -hmm. though I don't think it is going to floor you in the way that you might think. Because people talk about this as like maybe the best JRPG ever, and they might be right, but because so many you games have, have to done put this up does a lot time. with a lot yes, to you get really to the do. story rewards and there are great rewards with that story but yeah it there is like i said some mechanics now are super archaic um which is like i said the problem we always go back to when you're recommending the older games like i said i never worry about recommending chrono trigger to people i do always have to put a caveat on suicoden 2 but yeah. i always say like for what that did with with storytelling and how that whole final battle plays out so good oh man now i'm like yeah now i'm like i miss this series so much <laughs> uh here's my last one speaking of long-running series do you have you played a lot of the tales games yes i am a big tales fan okay so tales of symphonia is my final game on this list and i've tried to have like that same itch scratched by different tales games i think it was tales of like rosaria or whatever that came out on ps4 that 
I put some time into, but just there was something about it that didn't have that same charm. There was like the characters weren't as interesting to me. And I've played a few other Tales games since then, and none of them have really grabbed me in the same way that Symphonia did. And that was, what was it? GameCube was the main console I think I played that on. It's this colorful, charming, very action-heavy JRPG that when you're getting into these battles, you are playing it almost like this brawler meets fighting game where you're you're doing like air juggles and you're really just, it's very fast moving where suddenly your health is just going down, but you have teammates who are throwing, you know, potions at you or healing you. And just, it it is a JRPG, of course, in nature in terms of, you know, massive, long story, big world, whole bunch of different characters and quests and everything like that. But it also has this very combat heavy, not Legend Dragoon, more brawler style to it. Uh, it's, it's of course about saving the world, like every game <laughs> in this genre seems to be, but there's enough of like this relatable character sort of sense between the main characters and even the side characters that you, it, it still stays grounded within this fantastical world. And again, I keep looking for something that grabs me the way Symphonia did. And maybe you have some suggestions that would be better than even this one. But for me, this is what the Tales series is. And I'm still looking for something to match that. And I think there is a re-release that came out on, what was it, Wii, Wii U or something like that? This is this is playable also on Steam. Yeah. So it's a little bit of everywhere at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I've kept up with the Tales series. I've played all of them pretty much. Um, and yeah, Symphonia definitely is is a is up there for me. I've gone back and I've replayed it recently when they released that re-release, and it's still good. And the graph, like the graphic upgrades that they did for that, are really like make it just really pretty with like the shadow effects and everything, uh, cell shaded effects with it. But um, it wasn't as interesting to me this time, like when I went around to it again. Um, and like I said, it could have been like a time and place thing too. Which like I liked it when I first played it all those years ago. Um, I really like Tales of the Abyss, and that one's another one where you want to talk about having a protagonist that you don't like at first, but then begin to like really understand and like you know like as it goes on. That that's a good that's a good example of one. But as for the more recent ones, um, they're they've been decent they haven't been great and i feel like it's another series that kind of needs a reinvention that they've been holding off on and they've had now like three or four games that are kind of like that's why i don't think i like berseria to be honest is one of the better storylines and carrot main characters but just the the way that the series has kind of like position itself I, I feel like it's a series that's struggling to keep up with the modern times and so there's a lot of backtracking the the dungeons aren't that fun to explore right like there's just it's it's kind of going through that and i said like god they just really i was thinking that with berseria i'm like this is probably better than what they've done but it like it's a step back in a way because it's still not it's still doing having the same problems that have always plagued the series that they need to like fix because the battle systems are always fun like that's why i tell play them for the battle systems i always like the little character interactions you know you had the skits that they would do and those those were fun um and i feel like they do a good job at making you kind of like all those characters and it, it's kind of like the 
how they bond together and like form as a group over time is really fun. But yeah, it's a series I really think needs to kind of go through like some type of reinvention. Um, you know, whether they, I know they're working on a switch game and I'd be interested to see like if they, how they change it up or if they do, or if they still rely on the same stuff. Um, I also really like Vesperia, which that one is coming as a, as a re-released switch. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Well, I think it's on other systems too. I think it's coming PS4, Xbox one, whatever, but, uh, that one's really fun. That one has repeat, which is the awesome dog who smokes the pipe. And I mean, how could you not like, like a game like that, but well, it has one of the best casts. And I feel like it's a game. A lot of people miss out on because it was only previously released in North America on 360 because that was that weird time where Microsoft was trying to like steal some of the JRPG audience at the beginning of that era and they had all these games that went exclusively to there that were like I think of like Lost Odyssey um Infinite Undiscovery Last Remnant like all what those a terrible name Infinite yeah, there's a lot of terrible names to be, to be fair on that but yeah um I'm, I'm kind of like I said I'm really surprised that they haven't been able to kind of figure out tales for like a newer generation. I mean, they have, they've expanded what you can do in those worlds. They've made collecting stuff more fun, crafting all that. But um, I think it still has a way to, to go. Yeah. It reminds me of Star Ocean in that like, I feel like. Oh my like God. A, yes. I love like, those Star Ocean games, but the new one was so awful. Yeah. There's like moments where that series really is like, oh, this is incredible and there's nothing like it. And then it kind of stalls and like, well, this just feels like another one with similar dungeons and a similar character setup. And then the last one came out and you're like, oh, what's the, that also is a terrible name. It's like integrity and faithlessness or something like that. It's it's not good. But I feel like Tales is that exact same zone. And for me, Symphonia is still the one that like if you want to play a Tales, I would start there. Uh, similar like Star Ocean. There's a PS2 one that I really like. Um, but those, both those series need just like, hey, your combat's great. Can you kind of have everything else keep up with it? And hopefully that happens. That'd be, I would play any Tales game on Switch. Like, that sounds awesome. That's I know you said big screens for RPGs, but with Tales, I could totally see like playing that in bed and really, really being into it. Um, you have one more that I'm excited to talk about because I think it's going to be marginally controversial, but I think still fits into this. Yeah, I wanted to, as I said, I wanted to, to go with some classic picks and I wanted to go with some more recent games. And this is one also that I have to like say, you're either going to love it, you're, you're either going to get it or you're not going to get it. And that would be uh, the most recent near game near Automata. Um, and this is Yoko Taro, who is just awesome. <laughs> um and did i ever tell you my i, I guess i didn't ever talk about this but i i got to interview him when i was in japan like oh no, like no a idea. year ago one of my favorite interviews i've ever done we honestly sat and had beers together and just talked and he is just so funny and awesome one of the best like i said like not because of just the because of the beer but because <laughs> <laughs> yoga taro is just fascinating and like this stuff that he's he loves to joke around he's just like He's a really good guy. I, I love hearing how his mind kind of ticks and, and what's in it. But like, yes, very stylish, imaginative game. Um, I don't know how if you played the first Nier, um, but I, I liked didn't. that. It was one of those like weirder. I feel like I missed out on a strange gem. Yes. And that's the thing, too. I really like the first Nier because like 
Kanye and Weiss's banter is just amazing throughout that game. And I feel like it is a more serious story and goes to interesting Wait, is there places. actually a character named Kanye? Yeah. Okay, Kine, sorry. Sorry, Kanye. Kanye, oh, sorry. Okay. I thought you were like, wait, did Kanye play near? Okay, sorry, keep going. Kanye, sorry. I screwed that up, but um no, uh she she's she's badass. Um I think going through that's like the gameplay didn't exactly do it any favors. Like the one thing you could say about the game was that the the battles weren't that fun. Um as as they could be. Like they weren't god awful, but yeah. they were a little bland. So when Platinum got on board to help Yoko Taro with this one, I was like, Oh, that's great. Like the one thing that really bothered me about the first game is gonna be handled by Platinum, who are just known for their stylish action games. Um so that should help it. Um I think what this game does and why it gets um so much credit, um is that the ending and i think like it's the true ending that you have to get through and if you're familiar i don't know if people are familiar with the near games or not but there are multiple endings and you replay certain things from different people's perspectives to like different as different characters um it's not like the only thing with this one is like the second arc is a little repetitious but then after that like all the rest of the endings really put you into different different places and interesting places and they don't feel repetitive in that extent but once you get to this final ending like i can't even say anything about it because i feel like spoiling it in any way is just a disservice to anyone i feel like you go into it blind and you get to that ending and then everything kind of makes sense to you um on the whole story and also like why you were doing what you were doing so i think it's 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 definitely a different game um but it's different in a good way (laughs) yeah it takes an investment in a different way than something like persona or dragon quest does because i haven't seen all the endings yet i've seen most of them and i still need to go back oh my god Um, so you haven't got i know i know i feel terrible because like you know i've listened to all the podcasts during game of the year time talking about i'm like man i know i missed out because it's one of those games that you're gonna have to replay a lot of segments and that they do cool things to make it interesting but there's going to be moments where you're like man i just did this like i'm in this exact same area to be I'm doing honest this exact with me, i feel thing. like the wor- the roughest one is doing the second ending exactly from the first because that one i said is the most repetitious and you're just like oh, okay well whatever but um like i said going through it they're um they just have such good like um 9s and 2b's relationship is just so interesting like i said these are not actual humans um they're you know how do i put it like android androids thank you that's the word i was looking for i'm like (laughs) i want to say robots but not quite that yeah and they have like i said they're supposed to not feel anything and not have any you know not even bond and you see that kind of break between those two throughout the game because they are going on this mission to just they've been programmed just to fight these machines that have been taking over um the world and stuff and you find out later 
more to why that is that makes it really interesting and god the music just for the music oh it's so good oh my god i actually got to i was in japan um in september for tgs and i got to go to the orchestra concert and to have a whole orchestra playing that those those tunes on stage like holy like it gives you chills like just raises uh goosebumps on it because yeah. it's just so good like uh i still it's one of my favorite it is my favorite soundtrack from that year i remember people are fighting me they're like over persona 5 and i'm like here's the thing persona 5 is a great soundtrack as well um and it definitely adds to that game style and and all that but it's not my favorite persona soundtrack by any means um i feel like i like three and four is a little better um and this with near though because of how it plays into the game and what it does in certain areas it's just like oh my gosh i just ugh. not it but i do so warn many people different it, zones. Is a, it is a game that you either get or you don't and that's like a hard thing too because another series i was going to bring up for this and it's another one of those that's a get or you don't is like as people know i'm a huge kingdom hearts fan and i would yep. tell people to play a kingdom hearts game but i'm like you either know if you're gonna like that or not you either get it or you don't and so it's very hard to uh, to sit here and also it's really hard to pick one for you guys for people to play because you really have to be following a lot of that storyline but if you hadn't started any you could start at birth by sleep which is one of my favorites and that would be easy but not to kingdom go to a side no well, well kingdom hearts is interesting we won't dig too deep I, I think the best way is watch a recent kingdom hearts trailer and if your first reaction is no thank you then you're probably not going to like the tone that series goes for because it does have the, it's very heavy on the disney side and like the idea of yeah. friendship and stuff like that but if you see that and you're like oh that's kind of endearing then you should probably play kingdom hearts if and- you're like me who just loves disney <laughs> and is like i just want to be transported to disney worlds and this is amazing then you're like but i also got caught up in like the story and all that and i know people are like it's it, it is convoluted it is at sometimes nonsensical like it but there is like behind the sentiment of it of what it means and it, it's more powerful than you would think but it is very simple with like power of friendship and da, da, da. so um light versus dark but yeah and near you need to i think actually just play a bit of it before you decide if it's for you or not which because it, it goes in so many different directions and as soon as you have a connection to the characters you're going to want to oh see it all the way God. through because it's I just still, you got to the amusement park right oh, that's yes. one of my favorite oh that's one of my favorite worlds it's incredible it's just like like, the music and how it just like I said, I can't even imagine going to that world without that music. But it's just like that's why I'm saying they have these really creative backdrops, and then also near has some not so creative ones yeah. that are not as fun to go through. But I think of the amusement park. I think of um, oh gosh, that village um, with the robots who yes, yes. What's oh, her name? I don't remember, but the music in there is incredible. Yeah. Um, Pas- Pasqual? Pa- Pascal, Pascal, yeah, that's Pasqual. It? Pasqual. Yeah, she like that. And that's a good character. Who, if you go through all the endings and see her whole arc through, you're just like, damn. Like I just said, there's just there's a lot of really like tragic moments. There's a lot of um, moments where you feel like you've that are satisfying for how you've overcome the obstacles. There's a lot of fun boss fights mixed in there, which I always, I like a good boss fight. And I feel like too many games um, don't 
change boss fights up enough to make them interesting or exciting um in rpgs respectively um and this i feel like this game did a good job with making me feel like there's a good boss variety um there's just a lot of moments that make you feel in the game yeah. <laughs> like, and i mean that as a super positive where like it, it is there's a lot of dark themes there's a lot of existential questions that come up but no matter what if you're in, you're just going to feel shit during this. And sometimes like that's enough of a sell on a game to be like, hey, you're just going to see some things and think about some stuff that maybe a video game hasn't made you do before. And it'll do it in ways that sometimes get repetitive, but it does get less and less There's repetitive. One, the you can you say get. like this. There is not a game that is unique like this. Like it is is definitely experience you won't have with your standard RPGs, which is why it goes on my list. But I also, I like, and I know people too have only played one ending and was like, I was satisfied by that and I was done after that. And I'm just like, oh, you know, for me who's seen everything, I'm like, you've done yourself a disservice, but because it, that's such like a fraction of what is actually behind the game. But, you know, like I said, Yoko Taro, super interesting guy for how he, you know, very imaginative and very poignant too, and how and how he creates these worlds and and what they say and what they how they relate to life and the messages that he's trying to send with it. Um, if you're just like everything feels the same and I want something different, I mean, here you go. <laughs> yeah, this is the ultimate onion of video games. Like, there's just eight billion layers, and maybe the first few are fine enough for you, but then it's like, oh, but there's just so much. Like, there's so much going on that colors everything else you saw. So, like, it be everything becomes even more interesting because it just keeps coloring things differently and it's a different lens. So. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not turn-based or traditional, I think it totally belongs in this list. And I'm going to go down this list now that we have 10 full ones. And we have now discussed these. Uh, so the top 10 we have here, in no particular order, are Nino Kuni 2, Dragon Quest XI, Final Fantasy IX, Legend of Dragoon, Tales of Symphonia, Chrono Trigger, Persona 5, Final Fantasy X, Suikoden 2, and Nier Automata. And I, you can play all these games right now. You can play all of them on modern consoles. You can play them on PC. They all have value in their own specific ways. Uh, Kim, last thing from me, what are you working on right now at Game Informer that you can talk about and where can people find you on social media? Oh, sure. I have an RPG column that goes up every other week called RPG Grind Time. So I am always writing about just whatever is going on with, with the genre, kind of posing where it needs to go next or like places where you know it gets things right and places where it gets things wrong and i also have like just fun little lists and articles that i do on there um as for you know the next big rpg i'll probably be reviewing for us is kingdom hearts 3 which i'm super excited and cautious about at the same time um because like i said this was a weird year for me for rpgs it was kind of dry this year like there just weren't as many um and they didn't come out in you know i think back to like okay what do we have with nino kuni 2 dragon quest octopath traveler um and that's all that comes to mind off off the top of my head of like ones that you know did what did things well um so it's been, like I said, it's been kind of an off year and I'm interested to see like what happens next year with everything. And like I said, Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably the big, big one that I've been a sucker and waiting for since God knows um, the end of two. So like 2006. So yeah, I've been waiting a long time. 
All right, perfect. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Kim. I feel like just <laughs> as soon as I thought of the idea of I want to talk about JRPGs, I think I DM'd you seconds later. <laughs> so I'm like, I know the person I need to talk to immediately who knows even more than I do about these crazy games. Uh, it, it's good kind of going down memory lane with these different classics that really defined certain aspects of my life. And I'm guessing certain aspects and times in your life, as well as looking at some of the newer stuff that really grabs what was interesting about those. So I can't wait to read your Kingdom Hearts 3 review, even if I am not a Kingdom Hearts person. I just want to see what that's like. Um, and looking forward to all of your features and especially your JRPG coverage in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Like I said, I am always down to just chat about JRPGs. Um, so anytime you need someone to talk to, <laughs> uh, feel free to reach out. You'll be the first person I call. Okay. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.